your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by Alex Johnson, James Boyman, and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. James here, joined by Ryan, following Everton's third draw in as many Premier League games at Ellen Road against Leeds United. Before we get into all of the analysis that we try to bring you on the show, just a reminder that if you enjoy this show, please leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice. Please give us a follow on social media and join our Discord. We'll be shouting out a number of members on our Discord throughout this episode. Great community. Give it a try. Invite.gg slash ATP. And you can find all of those links in the description. Now we'll go to instant match reactions from our friends on Twitter. Ryan, your selection is up first. Yeah, I'm going with Griff. Uh, Casey Griffin at C underscore Griff 314. Frank has transformed the character and effort of the team. Now he has to transform the quality and ability to possess. It's a good point earned. And we had chances to win it. But leads were no doubt the better. No doubt. the the better side, we lose this in years past. Yeah, I, it just, it's getting a little old, this whole playing behind the ball and grinding out a result, but he's right. I mean, it was a good point and I'm confident we're going to have some people in the window. So I'm not totally disheartened, but if we get some of the guys in the window that we want and we continue to kind of play this kind of bad football at times, you know, I'm going to be a, a little frustrated. Um but it does take time, too, for people to gel. And we've had a lot of turnover and we have a lot of injuries. So I get it. And a lot of these guys getting a lot of minutes lately, which we'll certainly hit on uh, later on in the show. For my instant match reaction, I went with Pennsylvania Toffees at PA Toffees. We are looking so much better than last season, and I can take solace in that, especially knowing we have two more players likely to come in and improve. There was a level of taunting today that I love to see more grit to this squad in this match than we saw most of last season. I think that's fair. Look, the whole squad went 90 minutes. We'll talk about the lack of subs. There was a lot of running that needed to be done, and Leeds put us under pressure very early on in the second half. We managed to squeak out a point, and though I think most people would have preferred a win, I don't think many were expecting a win at kickoff, and our away record has been absolutely abysmal. So points on the road are going to be really important throughout the course of the season. We got one today. And it's hard not to feel content given, I think we both predicted in our Discord, in the score predictions channel, we both predicted a loss. We did have some that predicted the correct scoreline, however, and we want to give them a quick shout out. We had Blade Runner 612, Eek West, Wake Phil, who predicted a 1-1, but we win on X Spirit, mm. as opposed to XG, which we did not win, by the way. S. Juder, Drew Berg 1878, and Joe Scheidt all predicted the 1-1 correctly, so... Hats off to you guys. Now, Ryan, let's get into the lineups an hour before kickoff. Lineup drops and uh, a conspicuous absence for one particular new arrival for Everton. But let's talk about Leeds first. Again, I feel like we say this every week, James, but they have almost the exact same team as the last time out. The only change they have is uh, Sinistera is in instead of Dan James, which is probably an upgrade. Uh, they did lose to Brighton last time out, but they did beat be Chelsea. Um, the match before, I think my my line in here is Americans. Um, 4 2 3 one we get to see Brendan Aronson, the guy who people told me many years ago when I thought would be a super superstar that he was he ran funny. That's what people came up with. <laughs> they determined that he wasn't going to be good enough because he ran funny. Uh, love that. And Tyler Adams, who we were after a little bit, but uh, I think Jesse Marsh is pretty obsessed with getting him. So it happens. Um, and coached by none other than Jesse Marsh, who, um, you know, is an American. And I personally really appreciated when playing for Chivas USA, he kicked David Beckham incredibly hard and started off a borderline brawl against LA Galaxy. That I'm not saying it was his career highlight. He was a better player than that, but that is some fantastic viewing if anyone has the moment. Um, Everton's lineup was not necessarily surprising in terms of some of the names, but it kind of made you think, what formation are we playing? And one very noticeable absence. Yeah, it was an interesting lineup insofar as we did not name three center halves for the first time this season, basically. 
the back line of Connor Cody and James Tarkowski, flanked by Nathan Patterson and Mikalenko as per usual. But what appeared to be at the lineup drop, a three-man midfield of Tom Davies, Onana, and Alex Iwobi, and then the front line that we've seen most of the time this season, Gordon, Gray, and McNeil. Wait, wait. We have a new striker, right? He's playing. No, uh, I heard that we signed a guy, but he was nowhere to be found, which uh, but wait, apparently... wait, 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 wait. no, no. I saw on our website. It said he was going to be ready to go for the match on Tuesday. I did. I did see that as well, Ryan. So so what exactly happened here? This seemed uh, a bit odd to see no Neil Mopai even on the bench, much less in the starting lineup when we've been crying out for a striker and we sign one and he can't seem to to be registered for the squad is what the reports are saying. What's frustrating to me is that, you know, Frank had mentioned that they registered him 4 p.m. on Friday. And I I think the deal was done in time for him to be registered at 4 p.m. Thursday. But because there were holidays and, and weekend bank holidays, we apparently didn't register him on time. Now, that being said, I would love to blame the Premier League for their dumb rules. And I agree that it seems kind of absurd. Um, however, the Premier League handbook makes this, I mean, pretty darn clear. A new working day means any day in which the league office is open for normal business, but excluding, and I quote, unless the board determines otherwise, a Saturday, a Sunday, or a bank or public holiday. And the rules on registration, I mean, James, they're really clear. I mean, it, it says, literally says, um, shall be noon on the last working day before the date of the first league match. So, I I mean, this is, I think someone dropped the ball here and it's not good, man. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not good at all. And I don't know what to say here. I'm, Frank seemed very frustrated by it and I would be too. All I really have to say is Everton that uh, reflective of the state of the club. I mean, it's like, it's just, it's got to stop. Man. It's, it's, it's got to stop. Yeah. It got to hold yourself to a higher standard. You sign a guy, you got to get the paperwork in on the deadline. This isn't grade school. This isn't, you can turn in your homework late and maybe get a point deduction. It is get it in on time. No, no exceptions whatsoever. And we failed to do that. And as a result, we have to go with this. I would argue uh, less than ideal front line, borderline poor. If you have to play Demario gray as your effective striker. Uh, and we'll talk about his day, which was not great. But before we do that, I mean, you know, we, we would talk about the bench, but the bench obviously didn't matter. We'll we'll talk about that as well. But let's let's get into sort of the tactical setup, Ryan, as the match kicked off, as we started to see Everton in this new shape against Leeds uh, 4-2-3-1. Yeah, it was a new shape. It was a 4-3-3-4-1-4-1 kind of out of possession defending, which we saw all last April. So and, and look, I think this is Frank's preferred way to play. I think he he opts to the three four three out of kind of pragmatism, but at this point, I mean, he's just he doesn't have enough center halves. So I mean, he's kind of doesn't really have a choice. There's not a real natural six here. Um, Amadou Onana has said that he can play six, but he's an eight, and he's right. And he was the deeper player though, with Davies kind of up on the right and Wobi on the left. They did switch sides at one point. Davies and Wobi did. Um, I mean, there are goods and bads of this, James. Right? I mean, one of it is. Th- Look, were our wingbacks really pushing up higher and being effective before? Not really. I mean, maybe like, you know, Patterson last match got up higher a little bit. Mikolenko was pushed back, but but both contributed very little offensively, even if positionally they were able to get up. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, there's not as much pressure for them to kind of get forward. Um, you know, Leeds is a high possession team, so it doesn't matter as much. And I think the way we set up, it seemed like Gordon tended to sit up a little higher, being more of kind of the vertical threat and... McNeil was really doing a lot of work on defense. I, I think it's hard to say that was our own doing or it was their doing for attacking down the left side so often. I mean, 51% of their attack was was down their left side. And look, I mean, if you're sitting back at our looking at our team, I mean, where are you attacking, James? Are you attacking the side that Awobi and Tark and, and Mikalinko are on or are you attacking the other side? I mean, I'm going at Tom Davies, Patterson, and Connor Cody all day, especially Cody playing in a back four, which is been uh, beaten into the ground a little bit his his greatest successes as a player have come in as the middle of a back three he's gets tried out just out of necessity today i think you're attacking that side all day long and five players for Leeds had more than 90 touches and and a couple of them were on that left side i mean harrison himself had 110 touches 
as like a left wing. Um, yeah, Strautka had like 120, and he's playing left back. I know, I know, he's more of a center half, but and that probably worked in our favor too. Tyler Adams had 105 touches. I I felt like he was just picking off everything and recycling it back to that side. And that's how a lot of it went. Um, look, I mean, some of the more macro level numbers too were, they're pretty overwhelming. I mean, some of the stats are actually pretty shocking. 670 passes to 294 on our end. Wow. Yeah. 31 crosses by leads, three for us. <laughs> I mean, that that's pretty, pretty ridiculous. Um, but look at the shots, James. I mean, you can look at them here. I mean, the, there was a big difference in open play. Yeah, 11, 11 shots from open play for leads versus just three for us. And those came at, I think, you know, very far spread out. We didn't really string together a strong period of pressure throughout the game. We had four from set pieces but to their three. But, I mean, equal in long balls, which was interesting, 49 apiece. I mean, I guess less of that from us today or leads just, I mean, they had they were so dominant in possession that... Uh, it sort of evened out, even though they had almost 700 total passes, which is crazy. It was all Pickford, really. I mean, he was, you know, it was hoofball and and we didn't have a center forward to play. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But yeah, it just, it was us giving them back. But I will say this is still a tale of two halves. And, and I think we've seen in so far this year where we started out well and maybe there was kind of a balance and then we finished off the half well. And then last week in particular, Second half just did not go well and, and subs did not go well. And, um, and I think that was a little bit this week. Um, but before we get into that, let's take a quick little break, James. Let's hear from our sponsors and we'll get right back into it. Okay. Um, look, the first half was curious at best. It, it was very weird. It was yeah, it very was, weird. It was strange. I mean, it was, they were on the ball a lot, but some of the numbers were, were, were kind of still one-sided on their end, but I, I still felt like they weren't incredibly dangerous when they had chances. And, and let's be honest. I mean, our breakthrough was, was a great chance. Yeah. The, the really most notable moment was the goal very early on in the 16th. I mean, we had trouble stringing together passes, but this particular run of play looked pretty good. It was of course, Anthony Gordon for his second goal of the season. Uh, he starts out by cutting inside, and then he, it, when I what I first thought was a really clever pass was actually just like a deflection that ends up going to McNeil. McNeil passes it back to Awobi. Awobi's open in space and has time to play what's a really beautiful through ball to Gordon, who, <clears throat> who takes off the second McNeil gets the ball. I just and, and he megs the Me- Meslier as well, which was a nice little finish there. But I can't even understand what Lorente is doing. When he does this step over, does he think it has enough pace to get back to Meslier? Does he just think he's going to be able to turn and shield? But Gordon's like nipping at his heels. And I watched the replay a number of times and he looks and he should have seen Gordon coming at him in full tilt. I think I can't. I think it was hosed. I think he was just in trouble and like he was disoriented and he couldn't he get to the himself. ball. And, I know. I mean, well, I just think he turned and looked at it and it just kind of caught him by surprise. And, and, but that's why you take chances like that. You know, I mean, Alex did the right thing and, and, you know, he struck it clean. It's the second goal in two games with the left foot too. Um, maybe Meslia could have done better on it, but look, he, he breaks right through and it's a, it's a great goal. And yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, it was, I felt bad for Laurent. But I look, didn't. I thought I, it was hilarious. Well, I'm not Congrats, overly impressed. yourself. I'm not totally overly impressed by their center halves, to be perfectly honest. And Tyler Adams is phenomenal, but Ruck is not a great defensive player. He slows molasses back there. So I think if you can keep the ball a little bit, get some chances down the middle and break through. I mean, as much as they pressure high, you you can generate some chances. And we maybe didn't do the best job of that, but it is what it is. But it was a weird half. I mean, some of the stats were, I mean, three to four in shots. We actually had more shots than them. The Leeds had 71.2% possession. I mean, they were doing all the dribbling, you know. Um, we, we beat it 14 to five in tackles. I mean, McNeil had four, was four or five in tackles. Patterson was four for four. Davies had two tackles. They had four corners. We didn't have one, but they had nine dispossessions. Harrison had four dispossessions. No one else had more than one. So yeah, great. You're tacking down that side, but you might want to be more efficient, but there was just this slew of odd moments, James. Yeah. We asked our uh, Twitter followers to give us their nominations at the half because there were just so many. And I think the first of which that's most notable, and I got to shout out James Gardner for naming this the 19th minute 
Tom Davies picks up a, a very, I guess, inadvisable yellow Why? card for what? taking a, and it wasn't even like a genuine kick. It was a very half-hearted flips his foot up at Meslier as he clearly has possession and is holding it in his arms. And Tom is laughing. He's just chuckling and gets a shove in the chest and laughing the whole time. But in a midfield, as a midfield player that early on, do you really want to be on a caution already and have to be at walk on eggshells the remainder of the game? It just seemed, though it was funny because it made so little sense and was, I guess, just you, don't, you just don't see it ever. Someone do something like that. It was a stupid mistake. It's like Sunday league. I, I didn't know what to say. I was, what is he doing? It's just so strange. It to did rattle credit, them though. Yeah. I mean, it did. I mean, to his credit, uh, there was nothing there was, he didn't really put himself in too much danger later. So, yeah. you know, credit for that, but it also takes away your aggressiveness. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind, Tom Davies would have wanted to kick someone later. And, and the thing for is, sure. You want your yells to count because it, it allows you to be aggressive. And that one time where maybe you go over the line or you got a foul. So, in fact, we saw it a couple weeks ago where Davies is already on a yellow and he could have taken someone down and prevented the goal and, and couldn't do that because he was on the yellow. So, yeah, that's just dumb. It's not smart. Um, I will say this the injury in the 27th or so, the dislo- it looked like a shoulder dislocation of something by Rodrigo which was a strange combination of things. It didn't really look like Pick did anything, but shoulders are kind of strange. This was massive if you think about it because he has been absolutely on fire. I mean, he's second in the league in goals. He, he kind of had a disappointing start to his career too with Leeds. So to see him just kind of get off to such a big start, because I remember when they signed him, I thought, wow, he's older, but he he really fits in the way they play and could really go crazy here. But yeah, I, I like the shout out by Pennsylvania Toffees about this moment because it was strange. I mean, there's nothing Pickford did here, I don't think, James, did he? No, it was, again, it was pretty innocuous. He, I mean, Pickford out of his box to have to come out and close down and like take a dribble, which was strange. And it was actually, I mean, it was a dangerous through ball that led to this, but the contact is a standard challenge. If, if that, it might even have been less than that. And so for Rodrigo immediately goes down, grabs his shoulder in it to me, I was like, okay, get up. You're flopping. This is BS. Like get on your feet. But the medical team came on. He had to walk off kind of crate. He was, I don't want to, you know, kick the guy when he's down, but he was walking off cradling his shoulder and like sipping on one of, I don't know if it was like electrolytes or something, but he just looked like a little kid, like sucking their thumb. It was kind of sippy cup. Yeah. Something like that. But yeah, I mean, huge because as you say, he's one of their better players and And he's on fire. Certainly. Yeah. And he's, and he's so sucks for leads, but so be it. Um, the, the third one is of course, Jesse Marsh doing the tapping his watch, throwing his hands up in the air. Just it, furious at our aunt at particularly jordan pickford's time quote-unquote time wasting antics i don't know we had this discussion off air i mean to me it's like he's clearly time wasting and not even time wasting you know it's the first half like but it, it was ellen road was in an uproar they were so upset everyone was getting mad including jesse marsh but the amount of time the broadcast dedicated to just showing marsh like holding his hand over his head touching his watch and like screaming uh, I think that might have been a little unnecessary. Frank's point was, uh, and thanks to uh, Sir Verdon 34 for pointing that out. Um, Frank's point was, what did you want him to do? Did you want him to run into the stands, Pickford, and jump and rush real quick and then kick it right away? And look, yeah, he was milking it. I get it. But he was also milking it because the crowd was going crazy about it. So, I mean, fine. Go ahead. I mean, I, I we talked about this also off air, and maybe it's just me as a player. But if I knew something was getting someone on uh, getting under someone's skin, uh, this just in, I'm going to keep doing it over and over and over again. And I don't think Pick got a yellow, did he? No, which actually I was shocked. I, I think he was two to one at the half gambling odds to get a yellow. And <laughs> really? I, but I mean, it, you know, obviously we went level early on in the second half. We'll t- touch on that in a second. So that, you know, no point in time wasting when it's a draw, but um yeah. and then the and then Davies falling over for an honest free kick that was kind of funny where he tried to take it early to kind of draw the card I guess or I the, that I one just was think weird it, to me it was weird but I think at this point we we're really trying to do stuff I think they were wound up they were frustrated and the crowd feeds in that I mean the crowd seems awesome I would love to go see a match there same um I've got a couple friends that live in Leeds that I think can get me some tickets so we need to have a conversation about that but anyway um, no, in all seriousness, I, I would love to go there. It seems really great as an atmosphere, but they were so fired up at this point. 
Davies falling over is just pure comedy, though. I mean, he barely got nudged and just kind of flopped. And thanks to Toffee Ked for pointing this one out. This is just a very strange sequence. But the falling over was funny after the fact. But in the moment, Leeds took the ball and started sprinting towards goal. And it was like, they're clear in. And why did we rush the free kick? What are we doing? And then, thankfully, Andre Mariner called it back and let us retake it. Which, again, another thing that sent Ellen Road into the just raptures. They were so upset. Uh, but that was, I mean, there were, there were a couple other ones and in the second half, there were other moments, but you know, we already touched on the stats that pretty much brings us to halftime. There were no other really great chances to score. I don't think. And I, I think most Evertonians felt pretty good. Obviously you're up one, nothing, but it it was a lot of possession for them, but we looked okay. We looked, um, relatively well organized. I was concerned about Onana playing in the back and he had some moments of confusion and the midfield was not quite there but it was working okay and and would have liked to generate some chances but when we kept the ball on the ground we seemed like we are okay and then the second half hit and i'm thinking all right look last week we looked really good at the end of the first half where we looked like we showed some maturity kind of took control of the game and then we absolutely came out and tanked in the second half and i felt a lot of that happened again this time i mean right off the bat leads got debatably their their best chance of the match where aronson cut inside and just absolutely hammered a shot um, Pickford made a good save cause it was really well hit, but it was hit right at him. Thankfully, Brendan Aronson, the biggest problem he's ever had as a player is his finishing ability or else that would have been a goal. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Harrison missed in the 50th. I mean, there were some chances right away. I'm not saying the goal was inevitable, James, but I was certainly a little disappointed about how we came out of halftime and how we looked. I mean, I, as soon as Aronson got that shot and then the Harrison one right after, I actually did feel like the goal was inevitable because, you get the crowd behind you. They're already really mad about the first half and our antics. And they're like, all right, let's get this level. And then in the 55th, the inevitable happens. It's uh Sinistera Pickford hoofs it. And it, uh, the announcer said his kick comes right back at him, which is exactly what happened. Mikolenko doesn't close down the man. Sinistera from 25 yards freezes Pickford wrong foots him. I think Pickford, based on what I watched, was expecting it to go far post, like a curler far post and completely wrong footed. It sneaks in on the ground near post and uh, leaves are level and uh, the momentum well and truly with the home side at that point. A lot of things went wrong in this goal, in my opinion. I'm not saying Pitt could have done anything about it because it was tucked into that near post. My guess is he didn't see it because he had Tarkowski yeah, in too. front of him. And what I'm disappointed is, and this has happened a couple of times now, where Mikalinko seems hesitant to go close someone down. And, and I know he's not an elite athlete, but he's a good defensive player. And and in this case, there's one player. There's no one in the wide space for you. You've got to go get that guy. You can't be backing off of him. And I know he's quick. Uh, it's a very fast player, but you have Tark for cover. You've got to go get him. You can't let him get off that shot. And Mikalinko still seems a little hesitant to do that at times. It's unfortunate, uh, but they were coming on. I don't doubt it. And the numbers from halftime up to the point of the goal were pretty one-sided. Yeah, I mean, we talked about the chances. They four nothing in shots. Three of those those were on target, which we discussed. Seventy-seven twenty-three possession, which is you know a little more lopsided than it was uh, on for the match as a whole. Seventy-eight and, passes, uh, seventy-eight accurate passes to R twenty. So they're just like passing rings around us. Yeah, Whew. I know. I think we were 20 for 30 in passes and they were 78 for something, Ugh. but their accuracy was certainly much higher than ours as well. Uh, and then shortly after leads go level, uh, the double yellow card for Gordon and Christensen for, well, Gordon's instigating. I think you pointed this out in our discord in the match day channel. Uh, but the, the image of them just like butting heads and trying like neither of them conceding ground. And normally when players butt heads like that, you'll see one player kind of back up and then, wait for the other guy to come in so he can then flop. But they were literally just like through sheer force of will pushing their heads against one another, both immovable objects or something. Uh, But double yellow deserved glad that there wasn't any uh, flopping there because it was, but, but Gordon on the wind up there without question. Gordon hits him when he turns back and passes it backwards. He like forearms him in the back for, I, I don't know what he did to make, Anthony's so mad. And then Tarkowski comes flying in being the official goon. 
Uh, I will say this, Tarkowski today was really running into guys and knocking him off balance when they were cutting towards towards the goal several times. He knocked over Jane, or Gelhart at one point. Gelhart flipped out at him, and Tark just laughed at him like, what are you going to do? That was so really? good. I mean, come so on, good. man. What you, it's something Mina would do, but Mina would like fake a headbutt, like fall or something. And that's the thing when you are playing a game and, and you, you're doing something to get under the other guy's skin and they retaliate and you just laugh. That makes yep. them so much more mad. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They want to go head to head with you and you're just like laughing in their face. But look, Tark's smart in a way that, look, he's not quick, he's not fast, but he's strong. And if you can get in front of someone to kind of nudge him as they're going and try that cut, that is really important. You have to be able to do that because otherwise you're not going to be able to stop anyone. And it's good to see us standing up for our teammates because we had three or four guys yeah. right behind Gordon shoving people. Even a Wobie got a shove in there for heaven's sakes. Mr. Peace, love and happiness. And but, but look, you know, the one thing I will say is, you know, James, you made the point earlier in, in the doc here is that we didn't really register a shot on target until Patterson in the 82nd. Uh, and after their goal leads, I mean, they only had two. So there weren't a ton of chances. I will say this, though. There were a couple big opportunities by us. And yes, we were conceding possession. And I didn't like that. I mean, I really wanted to see us get on the ball a little bit more. And we're clearly struggling with that. And there are a lot of reasons for that. I think the center forward is probably the biggest reason. Pickford's a bit of it as well. But look, I mean, Damari Gray scores, and it's pretty close. I thought he was way off initially. This is the 65th. I think you said by a mile. And then the you chat. log it again and be like, no, not by a mile. <laughs> maybe like a maybe like a uh, millimeter. Yeah, it was. And I, I think probably the better play would be pass it out wide to Alex, and maybe Alex could have fed him in. But look, it was close, and he scored. Um, Onanis off the corner does a pretty good job of settling the ball at the first touch too and showing a little bit of composure there and what is christensen i think it hit off his head and onana they interviewed him afterwards and he's kind of like fair play to him he made a great play you know he sacrificed himself for his team and he deserves a lot of credit he's hard to not be impressed by onana by the yeah. way where he speaks and carries himself and and that's what the recruitment team said i mean they were just so so admiring of his character and so liked him so much that they were willing to go above and beyond to get him. It wasn't just about the talent, which is obvious. They know he's raw, but I mean, Frank is really about character. And I think that's being passed down to the recruitment team. Cause if you think about the guys they brought in, Tark, Cody, um, these guys are guys that are leaders. And, and even if they're younger, they're good. Pe- like McNeil is a sweetheart. You know what I mean? And look how hard he worked today. And it just, yeah. There, there aren't character issues with any of these guys. And the last chance is the chance by Patterson. I mean, Patterson walks in here and, you know, I've seen him do a lot better too. He's a pretty good shooter for a fullback and maybe got indecisive there, James, because I think Gray really wanted him to play the ball, but I don't think the shot was the wrong choice. He just hit it right at him. Yeah, he had a good angle. I think he almost had a little too much time to think it over because he like does a little kind of stutter step type thing before he takes his shot. And yeah, I mean, he'll be wanting that one back without, without a doubt. He, you, that's probably our best, really our best chance of the game besides the Gordon one. Like he is in on goal. He's basically one-on-one with the keeper. We have the bodies forward. There's not really anyone near him and he just can't, can't slot at home, but you know, learning experience for him. And I thought he was, who's good overall on the day. Um, <clears throat> agree with you with your points on Onana. I mean, just on the pitch. I think one of the commentators said he's basically just slotted into the Premier League. And it seems, I mean, he seems as comfortable as a 20 year old just finding his feet in the league can be. And also the character, I mean, everyone speaks glowingly about his character. Roberto Martinez gave a whole soliloquy about how he plays beyond his years and he's such a great leader and all these sorts of things. So, I mean, I think, I think he's a keeper. Let's put it that way. It would be nice too, if we can get gone in the door for him to be able to be loosened up and really unleashed uh, him and decorate too. I mean, seeing those guys run around like maniacs would really make a big difference to have someone who really has that backbone because you could see there were times where he wasn't quite sure where to go, but I will say this. I mean, I did see him later in the match start to really check his shoulder and be more active about his positioning. And, and it's something that I saw, uh, in France where he wasn't there yet and he, his p- defensive positioning is not very good. Sometimes it's defensive decision-making in terms of being more aggressive and really going at someone and winning the ball. I haven't seen that as much and you can't really do that in the six. So that I've been encouraged by. I, I think we're going to see a lot of growth from him this year and it's good that he's getting minutes, but look, it would be hard for me to sit there and look at that second half and say, 
I know he had a couple big chances, three maybe big chances, but that that leaves weren't the better side. I mean, the numbers are still. I, I'm still disappointed how he came out in the second half. James. I, I really am, and and I, look at the numbers. The numbers are pretty overwhelming. I agree. Yeah, second half, twelve to three in shots for leads, sixty nine percent possession to. Uh, to them as well, five shots on target to to one. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think they That's counted the Onana right. shot. Yeah, I don't because think they counted that, the and maybe shot. that would have went high. I don't think so, though. But I mean, seven corners to two. And look, last week, Frank made subs early and we seem to have gotten a lot worse. So I don't know if this was in his the back of his head, but I mean, that, that's that's the big question mark, the controversy from this one, isn't it, James? Yeah, the elephant in the room. No subs made. And I, I was texting you shortly after the match, and I was like, can we look and find out you know, how many matches in the Premier League have gone without a substitute? I, I was just curious. I, it can't be very many because you usually see at least one. Now, I'm glad that we weren't forced into a substitution through injury, but by not utilizing a sub with another game in just a few days... Aren't you thereby increasing chances for injury? Because if you didn't trust any of these guys off the bench and, and Phil, Phil Addy at Phil Addy on Twitter basically asked, would love your guys insight into the lack of substitutions. Surely this means Allen is off because Davey should have been off at halftime. Curious to get your insight. I mean, it's it's either Allen for me. It's either Finagre, um, or you could maybe bring Coleman off the bench. Like Miko, I don't think had a great game. So you could maybe get Vinagre in to provide <clears throat> if you're trying to push for the win. But it, I, to me, it's as simple as Frank really doesn't feel super confident that these guys can come in off the bench and change the game. And, and Alon is the big mystery, right? Because he's a, he should have started if over Tom Davies, if he's fit and we're planning on utilizing him this season. So it's got to be that something's in the works to get him out the door. A couple matches ago, uh, on the on the TV, I saw everyone warming up. I think I mentioned this on the pod, and Alon just sitting there. And I'm thinking that's really weird. And Alon's all in on Everton. I mean, his family has the box. You know, they're always there. And and he, I, I wonder if this is one of those things where he he said to him like, "Look, you, you need to extend me or move me." You know, I mean, tell me if you're committed to me or not. And the strange thing is, moving Richarlison out. I mean. This is a guy that's a good veteran. He's Brazilian too, which helps in case we wanted to recruit from South America. I, I don't know what our direction is. It seems to be a big focus on on English players, which is fine because Frank wants to work with them and it's a big attraction. But how on earth could anyone argue that he wouldn't have been needed? And look, you don't trust Seamus Coleman? I mean, he's your captain. I'm but do you bring Seamus in to, to play center back over, or you just no. take out a midfield player, shore up the defense? Like, what what sub do you make? Him. I, I would have, yeah. because look, if all you're going to do is hoof the ball up, why do you have Damari Gray up there? And the announcers kept making such a big deal about how hard he was working. Well, you missed the 20 minutes prior to that where he wasn't working hard. I, I just, if that's what you're going to do, if you're, you have no release ball, valve, all it was is hoofing it up to them and Damari losing the ball. So I, I don't, again, we made this point last pod where Damari's kind of the one guy though, that can, you know, in one isolated incident, make a good play. But you know, James, the more and more I keep thinking about it is, he has good games. He has bad games. And Gordon the same way, although Gordon's had two decent games in a row. The guys that are up and down, like, they're they're actually just not that good. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. It doesn't mean they can't have moments. It doesn't mean maybe there are moments where they can change a match, but ultimately they're not. And I know Rondon is not fit for purpose for what Frank wants to do. He's not going to drop. He's not going to play between the lines. He's not going to be fluid. He's not going to be making maybe the runs that he wants. He's not going to run in behind. But in this instance, you have an exhausted player. It's not like he doesn't work hard. I, I just, I don't understand it. I, I thought it was just not right. And the players were dead. I mean, poor Alex Awobi has been borderline carrying this My team God, at times. Yeah. And he's dead and he's exhausted. And the thing is, you can't reverse the trend. You can't get on the ball and take the air out of it because you're exhausted. And everyone's packed in deep. And if you're going to isolate a striker up there who wasn't playing any defense at times because he was tired, put someone big in that could maybe hold the ball up. I mean, who is going to stop him? I mean, in seriousness, I mean, was it Cock or Lorente? I, I don't think so. So I get it. You don't trust him. That's fine. The one thing I don't think is this whole idea that, oh, we're going to send a message to the board. I mean, that's yeah, the, dum I, I, the I, dumbest I, thing I've ever... I mean, who are you going to send a message? Denise? Denise? <sighs> How dare you not get transfers done? So I'm going to run all my best players into the ground. Like, right. In what logical world is that? It's not 1982. There's financial fair play. Of course, they'd love to go get new players, but they're restricted. I mean, what, 
It's just so ridiculous. I put out a tweet right before we we went on air and basically said the same. It's like, do you guys think like Frank doesn't have Kevin's number? He can't call the board. They're, They're not talking every single day, right? They They're talk not in communication every day. It, and the idea that even and Frank has talked about he did, he's done a number of interviews where he's talked about how important communication is to success. So you think they're not communicating and maybe I mean I'm sure he's probably frustrated that more players haven't got in through the door, but it's not like Thelwell can wave a magic wand and make that happen. He can't make other teams sell us their players. Business is hard to do. Teams want to drag it out, milk every last cent they possibly can. All these sorts of things. So no, no, I no, agree. No. I mean, we no, had no, a few no. people. No, no. What? It's a message to the board, meaning it's Kevin and Frank together oh. are, are oh. inspiring to run their best players into the ground, hopefully get them all injured. So then the board, which is like four people at this point, Bill. With no football experience. Bill, Bill, Denise. Bill. Like Bill needs to get out there and go scout the – Frenchly, I mean, I don't know what to say, James. It is so ridiculous that I, I mean, look, if you have a problem with what Bill's doing, go tell him. I mean, just right. whatever, right? But it, I think it is. It's not a statement to the board, but I think it's a it's an indirect statement in itself that he didn't use any subs because it means that for whatever reason he didn't feel comfortable that using any of the guys at his disposal. But I don't think I, yeah, still I don't think disagree he's trying with it. to. I still but, don't think it was smart. I mean, I, I no, I'm sorry. I agree. I, I just I can't look at this and say that change really even going with a back three might have been the right move too i i, I just any change the guys were dead and and yeah. any change and putting someone different or a different wrinkle against them too would have been sound to me um that I, that said ryan that said i mean we got the point so now we may have completely nuked our chances of getting a point in the derby at the weekend which was already well I, slim look, to none you're right to start, the point but. is a good result right that's of course now it's very easy to say, was that because we played everyone for 90 plus minutes? I don't think so. Personally. True. Um, yeah, fair enough. And look, I, you know, I still say this too. I think Leeds in many ways probably did us some favors continually to force the attack down the left side because Jack Harrison had 110 touches. Like we said, he had six dispossessions and seven bad touches. That's basically 13 turnovers. I mean, that's a ridiculous number. He only had two, two key passes, really two shots, only one on target. And I think that actually probably worked to our favor because I actually think the other guys are more dangerous and to slide Tyler Adams continually over there. And yes, he can recycle possession, but he's not going to hit that dagger kind of line breaking pass or flip it over to anyone. And you could see it. even Tyler a couple of times tried to switch the fields and isn't that great about it. So I think in many ways we're kind of fortunate that way. I would have probably thought about attacking the other side if I were them and had more balance, but it is what it is. Ultimately, at the end of the day, the XG philosophy said Leeds 107, Everton 0.81. We think that's, do we think 1-1's fair, James? Yeah, I think so. On the balance, I'll be interested to see kind of the other XG numbers as they come out, but that that feels about right. No, Leeds didn't create a ton, and the goal they scored was probably like a minuscule XG shot from distance, number of players in the way. And I'm guessing probably the mo- most of our XG came from the Patterson <clears throat> and, and Gordon shots. So, I think we we played good enough defense. They weren't super threatening, but the possession thing continues to be a problem because it results in the players being absolutely dead on their feet for the last 20 minutes. It's tough call. In many ways, I think they shot themselves in the foot maybe more than we were effective on defense, yeah. but I could see it either way. So That's fair. Okay, let's get into the performances. My good is Dwight McNeil, and I, I don't think there were too many really outstanding performances. Uh, I thought Gordon played okay. You know, a couple other names in there too, but look, Dwight McNeil was 8 of 10 for tackles. Two interceptions, fouled twice, dribbled twice, took care of the ball. He had five turnovers, but look, he was 81.3% passing. The effort there and the work. I mean, at one point, he had a dead sprint all the way back down in the field. They were attacking down his side the whole time. He combined with Patterson, and I know that's who you're going to get to next, or really put in the work on defense and did a great job. And no, James, you don't have an opportunity to announce your own good. I'm going to <laughs> re-announce it and introduce it to you every time, apparently. Yeah, you could see the look I was the look you just camera. gave. He was like, really? You're going to do this again, dude? Ryan, the spoiler. No, it's fair enough. And <laughs> I'm going to spoil your bad, too. <laughs> you better not, man. You you better not. Yeah, McNeil was good, man. I mean, again, and, and you take the 81.3% in the context of, I think, as a team, we were like 69, 70%, so, so well above the team average. Retain the ball well. Uses his body so cleverly. Uh, I, I still think he's finding his feet on the right-hand side. He doesn't look too super comfortable cutting inside just yet, but he had a couple moments where he did and 
did it pretty effectively. <clears throat> As you rightly spoiled, Ryan, my good is Nathan Patterson, who also won, I believe, the man of the official man of the match award for his performance this evening. Uh, comfortably led the team in touches with 79. The next highest was Mikalenko with 57. Eight for nine in tackles compared to McNeil's eight for 10. So that's 16 tackles from the right-hand side. That's pretty decent. Eight clearances on top of that, two interceptions and a dribble. His pass success was low, but as a whole, again, he's only like two percentage points lower than the re- than the team average. So he, he got a lot of touches. The defensive performance was great. If he had finished that chance at the end, man, we'd be he'd be good plus borderline great, but he didn't. But encouraging early signs from him again, get thrown into the deep end and he's he's finding his feet and to see him succeed relatively in a back four as a true right back. Yeah, he's one of the reasons why Harrison didn't have a good night. And look, it, it helped us that Rodrigo went down. And how strange was it that Marsh subbed out James for Bamford? But I, I think that was one of the things where he's like, Bamford's going to come in. He can only play yeah. 20 minutes. It is what it is. That was probably beneficial to us because I think they could have used a bigger body in there that could occupy the two center halves. I think he may have been a better fit uh, for what we had. So, look, I, I don't have... Anyone in particular on bad, and I'm not going to steal your thunder because you've got the one guy that I think was somewhat disappointing, even though his effort was there. I mean, Cody was fine. I didn't see much of his ball playing. Nikolenko really didn't come out and, and, and close down, I think, on the goal, and it really wasn't particularly impressive with the ball. Pickford, 6-24 of 24 for long balls again, man. What is going on? If I were to pick a bad, I wish I knew the individual, whoever the heck was responsible for not registering Malpay, because I, I think that... That was a big difference today. We'll get to that in a second a little bit more. I don't want to steal your thunder, James, so you go ahead. Because I, I think this individual is probably the one that... But it's debatable. Is this the individual or the role? Yeah, I think it's I think it's a little bit of both. And I think you you didn't directly spoil it, Ryan, but I think people can maybe infer from your hints who I'm going to go with. And that's Damari Gray today. Uh, he was one for three in passes in the first half per who scored. When I was looking at the stats, I thought that that was his whole game. And I was like, that... that <laughs> And it was not right. I was just dumb and didn't reset the filter. Anyway, uh, finished nine for 11 overall in passing. He had a tackle, but dispossessed five times, 14 total turnovers, man. Like that's, that's just not good. Oh, you and, saw him. He, he's trying to hold the ball up up front, James. He just can't do right. it. He's not, he doesn't have a size. It's not his game. And it's, and I don't think he did anything in any particular moment that was glaringly bad, but he didn't influence the game in that position in any meaningful way. Although there were a couple moments when he did, sprint forward pressure leads high and and gave us, you know, resulted in them turning it over and giving us the ball in the final third, which was good. Um, but playing centrally is not a strong suit. And I think that sort of dovetails nicely off of your bad of whoever was supposed to register Mopai, because after the match, Frank Lampard said that he prepared for this game with Neil Mopai in mind. So imagine you're Frank putting in hours of work, planning this tactical game plan. And all of a sudden you're like, Oh, the guy we brought in to fill this desperately needed position. Uh, we can't use him. Oh, back to the drawing board. Then that's incredibly frustrating. And uh, it's just it, Everton that that's all I'll say. Yeah. And credit to Patty Boylan for breaking kind of that one. Uh, and, and it seemed obvious that that was the case. And look, the front line isn't great. I, I don't know what else to say about it. And, you know, part of the possession issue is having guys in the front line where people have to respect and back off of. And I think Gordon, in many ways, even if he doesn't have, what would I say the other day? Sauce to, to get yeah. toast sauce. Saucy. Right. But look, I mean, as a young player, you know, you need to have some deception, some trickery, some things to kind of put players off when you're facing them. And it's just like in basketball, right? You're in the triple threat position. You got the ball. You face like, you know, you can shoot run this is this is football though you know you can't just rain one down from third you know in basketball you're just as dangerous 25 feet from the hoop as you are from right underneath it really so for gordon he's getting better in that way i don't think he has dummy today yeah i mean i don't think he has tremendous amount of trickery but you have to respect his pace number one for sure so if there's open space behind him and and i think in the 4-3-3 i think it's better for him because he, he's not so concerned with tucking inside and getting the ball and, and freeing up the wide area for, for a wing back. It's his space in many ways. So he can play behind someone. He's got space in behind a fullback stepping up on him. That being said, he's still not that dangerous, but he finished well. But the other guys aren't. Like Damari Gray is so quick with the ball and does have tricks, but no one respects it. They just go after him. And look, here's another thing. I don't know if you noticed this. When I was watching Damari Gray a couple of years ago, the one thing I wrote in my notes and I started laughing out loud about it was he never, ever plays one touch. I, I'm serious. 
make it a drinking game, you will be sober. Uh, he <laughs> never does it. Every time the ball comes to him, he has to take one touch. And then we'll a drink ball. every time he takes multiple touches, you'll get hammered. Every time. you'll be. I, I, I'm, I'm serious. I, I've never seen a player. I mean, literally never does it. I remember watching maybe three or four matches and he did it once or twice. And I wrote in my notes, oh, my God. Gray actually played one touch and I get it when he controls the ball. He is dangerous. He's really quick with it. But if you don't do that, everyone knows that just go at him. And if I was doing opposition scouting, that's what I would say. I'd say the second the ball comes to him, close him down immediately, whack him, take him out. He's not going to play what, you know, he wants to settle it or to dummy it and then get in front of him and he'll stop and hold it. And McNeil is good on the ball, but he's good in carrying on the ball through midfield. He's not necessarily going to blow by you. So if that's the case, I mean, it would be nice to have some people that you have to back off of. And you've seen those guys, right, James? You get the ball in the wing, you turn, you look at them, and they freeze. And the whole game stops. And they can't get the ball from the guy because they know if they come at him, what's going to happen? Bye. They're gone. See ya. Yeah. Yeah. And so we we clearly need need more of that. And and that's part of it. So I'm looking forward to seeing what we can do and getting an impact player up there. And I think Malpe is going to help. Even even Dom helps a little bit because he's big and fast. So, all right, let's get into some of our summary comments. I think there are some good, interesting ones here to talk about. Um, I didn't believe that Wrexham's owner was participating in these. This is really fascinating, James. You pulled this one, so I'll let you handle the first one. Yeah, if you haven't, uh, if you haven't checked out that show, by the way, it's it's pretty good. Definitely, if you've watched enough soccer, it'll be you know it's it's geared towards anyone, so it's it's accessible. But yeah, we had Ryan Reynolds, the Ryan Reynolds, who comments on our posts, and not the Ryan Reynolds movie actor. Uh, Ryan Reynolds at Ryan Reynolds 86. Plenty of games last season, similar in tone to this one, where Everton couldn't salvage a point. I remember thinking during a large portion of the back half of the season, if they'd only managed a few draws here and there. So this one, I'll take. I think that that's fair. We said it at the top. A draw is better than a loss. We'll take away points where we can get them. If we can just win more home games and actually take points on the road, we'll be in decent shape as far as finishing you know, mid-table at best this season but and look, yeah, we need I, goals I, so we need goals yeah and, and look, what was i guess encouraging to me is as we said earlier though they dominated from the start of the whistle in the second half we once they scored they didn't threaten a whole lot we kind of shut up shop so <clears> that's that's positive i think teams in years past would have probably folded and maybe ended up with like a 3-1 loss in this situation just capitulated and never and let the crowd get on their back and all those sorts of things. So just so to show that resilience was a positive for me. The two guys we've already theoretically acquired, assuming the Ghana deals done or weren't there. And I think those two both make a big difference. And look, I mean, just look at the lineup. There's some guys in there that just, you know, they, they should be role players at this point. Um, yeah. Joe site, Joe shite at Joseph J shite positive. It seemed like four three three helped to Wobi link up with the forwards much better. Negative. No subs in a midweek game on the road is such an incompetent decision. I no longer believe Lampard can manage this team effectively. So okay, let's That's talk hot. about the positive. Yeah, it is. Let's talk about the positive. Um yes, yeah, we didn't been, talk about Awobi. We've been calling for this though. And and granted Awobi was not on the ball quite as often. I blame a little bit of the team of that because when you got the ball to Alex, Alex was the one that could get up there and really get it to the forwards in more dangerous areas this time. And look. What happened on the goal? Miracle of miracles. Alex Awobi gets far enough up in the pitch where he can play someone in and actually threaten the goal. Now, I'm looking forward to us being able to possess the ball a little bit better and getting him even more touches up there. I don't think he was as dangerous as maybe he could be, but the fact that he had some freedom allowed us to spring some of those breaks in the second half because many of them came from him. So, yes, I like it better. I think it'd be even better with better personnel. What is your thought on the negative there? That's pretty harsh on Frank, but is it fair? If we had more viable options on the bench, I would say yes. I think I, I, I'm partially in your camp, Brian, where I, I think that literally anyone on the bench with fresh legs would have been better than some of the absolutely ex- absolute exhaustion that we observed. But I haven't lost faith in Lampard as a whole. I think subs seem to be his problem, though, that we the one thing that we're consistently critical of is that su- either the timing of the subs or the lack of subs waiting too late. And as you said, we did early subs a few, a couple of matches ago and it made us worse. So maybe partially it's just, maybe he only thinks he has a first 11. And again, we still do have a lot of injuries. There's still business to be done to, to that point. I, I haven't <laughs> lost faith in Lampard. I still think he, um, as in, as others have said, instilled a positive mentality in the squad of resilience there. Um, but the tactical decisions, look, he, he's. I think it's fair to say he's not a 
great tactical manager. Well, he hadn't shown to be necessarily, but if he's trying to establish an identity of a club, which is what he did pretty well at Derby, and, and yeah, I think in his first year, Chelsea did pretty well, got to give him a chance to bring some of his guys in to do it. And there are, in North America, I, I always use this in, in college sports, you've got coaches that are killer recruiters, right? They get great talent in, and in the game, they kind of falter a little bit, and people will say they're a bad coach. Well, you know, maybe you're not the greatest game coach, but if you got great talent, you still win enough. Does it matter? And I think people value the game coach more because you're doing better with lesser talent, but part of your gig is to get players in. In many ways, the true test of Frank is, can he continually bring young, talented players in? Is he an attraction in that way? You look at that team at Derby, they had a bunch of good young players like Mason Mount, Tamori. Those guys aren't going to play for anyone. The fact that Frank could attract them is important. So we'll see what happens here at the end of the window and how he can do, because I think the sell job of Frank is that he's going to play young players. So can we get a couple more talented guys that are young players to come in and make a difference? That's going to be the legacy, I think, of Frank Lampard. And I don't think we'll be able to do quite enough business here to really have a squad that's going to terrorize the Premier League or anything ridiculous like that. Um, That's That's what I was hoping for. Well, but look, I mean, I will say this. He should have some opportunity to lay down his style of play a little bit. And, I think it is perfectly fair to criticize him for this. I, I think it was, uh, frankly, a little bit absurd. Um, but I will give him credit. I'm sure there are some good reasons for it. I'm sure it's not like he didn't think about it a bit. So, and there are probably some reasons that we don't we don't know about entirely, James. If he didn't think about it a bit, then I would lose faith in him. But if he thought about it, weighed it out, and said, "Okay, I'm just not going to sub." Well, okay, I'll, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt there, Frank. But the- but the body of work so far is, I think there are a couple times where I, I would say this, I don't think we've improved in a lot of matches. And, and, and I really do believe that the second half, at halftime for adjustments, as well as making subs and chances to, to change and, and mix things up tactically, that's when, in my opinion, the coaches really see their medal and their ability as, as a coach. That being said, you do deserve some credit for preparation and setting up a team right from the get-go. Um yeah, we, we've had that debate so many times on the show. I know. Show. And like Carlo is so good at making the halftime adjustments. It was like almost the opposite where we would criticize the initial setup and, you know, a manager that existed in between that we'll skip over. We we criticized him for just about everything. Was <laughs> well, he had a tough schedule, though, too. You know what I mean? The tough yeah, timeline. Yeah. And, and anyway, but all right. Let, the next one, I think, is I love his comment about margin of error. Like, you know what I mean? I think that is really yeah. where we're at right now, isn't it? Yeah, we had Clyde Verdon Jr. at C Verdon 34. Margin of error for this team is still pretty thin. Two matches in a row taking the lead only to give it up. Still better to have points than none, but eventually these are games that have to be won. I think we can assume those three points won't be coming this weekend. I don't know about you, Clyde, but I'm feeling like we're going to just snatch all three points at Anfield this weekend or in the Derby this weekend. No, but I I do think in terms of the margin of error, this is uh, an interesting tidbit from... uh, from is from like the Google Match Day thing. Since Frank Lampard's first Premier League game in charge of Everton in February, only Leicester and Wolves, with 16 and 14 points respectively, have dropped more points from winning positions than us. 13. So I don't know well, how much to, to read said. into that. No, yeah. it speaks to what we said. You we know, get set, worse. Well, look, it's the same way as Rafa would set us up poorly and terribly, and our talent would overcome the fact that he screwed us up. So we had a bunch of comeback victories under him. Is that because we had more, as Greg Hodson at Hod2010 said, don't say it, don't say it, spirit. Spirit? Well, and and the spirit runs out in the second half. Uh, (laughs) Sounds absurd, right? Look, I don't don't, don't place too much in that. I mean, what 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 are you going to jump from that? I, I and look, I think it's hard to hard to evaluate a, a guy when you look at that bench. The bench isn't strong. I agree. It isn't strong. And if something's going on with Alon, who's the obvious player to bring in that we don't know about, I mean, what am I going to say? You know, I, I don't think that's fair necessarily to criticize him, but I think a couple subs would have would have been merited. But it is what it is. Um, last comment here from Luke at Luke EFC forever. 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 Um, good first half. Long balls to Greg Gordon in the second half. Just didn't work and kept inviting pressure. Yep. Hopefully with the signings, we can keep the ball a lot more and try and kill games off with the ball instead of long balls and defending with our lives. Look, just the two we think we know of. One's official, one is not yet. I mean, that's a big deal. Today, it would have put Ghana in the back. Uh, Onana would have been in Davies' position. And I think, I know it's early days, but Onana is harder to play through than I think Tom Davies. Just just his range, uh, yeah. his composure on the ball. I mean, yeah. I, I think that's true. I, I would have liked to see Onana a little bit freed up today because there's a lot of just one, 1v1 matchups 
when you play Leeds. And I, I think he could be very overwhelmed. I would have loved to see DeCorey today, too, the same way. And then you put Neil Malpai up there, and I think it's a big difference, especially when you've got one of Gordon and Gray probably go to the bench, and it would have been interesting to see if one didn't play well. You know, you stick with one, go to the other. I, I think having some guys that can really come in with some energy would have made a big difference, I think, in the second half. Maybe could have made the difference in the game. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think Luke makes a good point. Um, not much left to say, really. It's, it's the point. I do. We've been saying it for, like, weeks now. We just got to get through the window, which ends on Thursday. Of course, we talked about, well, obviously put something together, depending on what news emerges. There's been some very interesting links that have emerged recently. Some stuff, you know, the kudos dominoes might be starting to fall. Whether that's possible remains to be seen. A lot of stuff can happen. I know people are getting very impatient. Ryan, you said at the top of the show that you're very optimistic that we'll get some more bodies in the door. I think many fans are becoming more skeptical that that might happen, but I, I am too. I feel good about the prospects. People forget how much actually can happen on deadline day. Things can get real crazy. We got, you know, there's been a number of signers you've got in basically at the deadline only to announce, you know, 24 to 48 hours after the deadline was over. So, you know, I'm not worried too much that we're sitting here at now 10.42 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Tuesday and there hasn't been a ton that's come out. There's plenty of time left. A lot of people playing, keeping their cards close to their vest. Um, I, I, I feel optimistic that we'll have at least two more, if not three or four, through the door. And that's a dramatic difference for this team that we saw today. And, and again, we'll continue to get guys back healthy. In a month's time, this could look like a very different and much improved squad. I, I feel very good about that. There are a lot of interesting links right now. The Cody Gakpo one is one. That's that's a big number, though. I I, I yeah. would. I mean, he would be an unbelievable. He'd be immediate impact for sure. The only thing he maybe doesn't have is strength. God, he can score. He can fly. I mean, he's good playing the ball to him. Samuel Chukwuezi is an interesting link that we I saw like a little bit link. later today. I mean, he's. I don't know if he's fallen out a little bit um, there. Uh, you know, Villarreal is a good a good side. He's left-footed. He's a right wing. He's more of a vertical player than McNeil. It's not really a goal scorer, though. You really kind of want to have someone that's kind of a big, strong body that can kind of bully some people. We don't. I feel like that's the profile we're really, we're really missing. Um, someone who's truly a goal threat that you got to get on, like you got to respect him. Um, but he is fast. I mean, my goodness, is he fast? My concern is he's had the muscular injuries. You know, he's he's really struggled for fitness the last two years. Um, groins, hamstrings. I mean, not stuff you like to see no, at a young age, too. I mean, he's young. You know, I mean, he, he turned twenty three in May. I, keep in mind, if this is two years ago. I mean, he was being touted as like a 30 million pound player. Yes. Yeah. So I, I'm all for taking the guy at the low, low end. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah, you can I get agree. Mo Kudis over the line because for some strange reason, Ajax is playing Taylor and like Bergweiss ahead of him. And it looks like Ocampos is going there too to, in theory, replace, yep. um, replace uh, Anthony, which totally different type of player. But, but okay, you know, you need that guy there. I get it. Maybe there's the opportunity. PSV, they're talking about, is El Ghazi done? I think he might go there. Wouldn't that be the most ironic thing ever? What? What is happening? El Ghazi coming that in to replace Gakpo so we can sign him. I mean, I just, I can't uh, imagine. I'm excited, though. I Look, James, I am honestly optimistic. I said before in the Discord that I think we're going to get three to four in. Um, Ghana would be one. I, I, I think we're going to get someone who's going to impact things on the attacking side. I hope we get someone else that can play in the middle as well. I don't think we have a chance of repairing the back line because I think you just got to go so big to do that. I think we're going to have to table it and hope guys get healthy. But a couple more threats up top. I mean, dear Lord, if Frank didn't feel compelled to make a sub today, I think that's pretty indicting. And, and the thing is, looking at the bench, you can argue Alon, you can argue Seamus, you can argue Vinagre. Can you argue any of the attackers? Ronan's the only one, and we know he's not a good yeah. fit for what he wants yeah. to do. Just think about that. There's not really an option on the bench to bring in at the wide positions. That ain't good. If we're chasing the game, we're going to be in big trouble. So it's almost good that we're blowing leads rather than conceding early and having to fight our way back because I don't see any way. There's no one that you can bring into it unless and then. But if, again, the, the picture changes dramatically. If all of a sudden you get an additional attacking player, you then have you know, one of Gordon Gray or McNeil coming off the bench. Yeah. Any of them can can change a game. Um, but we just need the depth. We just and need the depth. It's that simple. And they're a little different, too. A guy like Gordon can really extend a defense, you know. A guy like McNeil can cut inside and take care of the ball. So 
it would be interesting. We've got another similar, but like Chuck Weezy does make a little bit of sense. You get a guy on the right side that can go vertical. So say at the end of the game, you're playing counter, you're stuck today, like the way we are. You get someone that can hold up the ball, make runs, get a couple guys that are really fast. You got to respect their speed. Now you can play in behind them. It just gives us options, you know, and yep. I'm excited. I'm optimistic. I don't know how you feel. I, I too am optimistic. And I feel like on optimism is a great place to wrap this episode of the show. We appreciate everyone for listening. If you're still listening, going to plug it one more time. Please leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice. Helps us out a ton with search rankings and whatnot. If you want to follow us on social media, link tr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod. And last but not least, join our Discord invite.gg slash ATP. All of the links in the description. Otherwise, we'll be with you at the weekend following the Merseyside Derby. Fingers crossed. Hope for the best. Prepare for the worst. Until then, until next time, up the toffees.